Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It's a Red Rivals, Chicago Blackhawks, Detroit Red Wings-based podcast. We cover all things Hawks, all things Wings, and just general league news. Today I'll be joined with my co-hosts, Kevin Musto, Nick LePage, and David Barnhouse. As for me, my name is Jordan Scott. On today's schedule, we're going to be talking about the Hawks and Sabres trade in regards to Yokiharu and Nylander. We're going to be talking about the Kirby Doc signing his entry-level deal. And then each of us is going to be talking about a prospect in either the Red Wings or the Hawks system and basically make a case for them to make the roster this season. So with that being said, let's go ahead and just get into the episode. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the Yokiharu and Nylander trade. The Chicago Blackhawks trade Yokiharu for Nylander from the Sabres, just one for one no draft picks attached, just straight up player for player. Um, Nick or Kevin, since you guys are more familiar with this player, why don't you go ahead and start us off with just what this means in terms of trading for prospect in their system? Yeah, uh, the Hawks gave up uh, for sure top four D-man. We've seen a lot of Yokohar or 38 games worth of Yokohara last year before Quinville was fired. He, he was a top, he was the top pairing with Duncan Keith, and he looked like he was going to be a legit D-man. He was a, he's a two-way D-man, puck-moving D-man. So to see Yokohara go, it was it came as a surprise. Uh, I mean, I knew he kind of grew out of favor with Stan and Jeremy Carlton, but just it, it seemed like it came out of nowhere, and you knew a D-man had to be moved, but it shocked me that it was Henry Yokohara just because we, we only seen 38 games worth of him. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was kind of a rush deal, but Alex Nylander's not a bad return. He's still a little bit unproven. He His motor's in question, but Nylander was a former top 10 pick. So if they could, if this change of scenery with playing with either Stroman to break it and sometime in the near future could get him going, then I think it's a... Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair trade. I think, Nick, as you said, we were expecting, we were anticipating that eventually one of the Chicago Blackhawks kind of big D prospects, we were expecting one of them was going to get traded out at one point. And I think Yoki Haru was probably the easiest one to move just because he actually had NHL experience. So I think he was easier to kind of sell to other teams, whereas like someone like an Ian Mitchell or Adam Bokvist are still a bit more unproven in comparison. So I think if they were going to move someone out, Yoki Haru was the one that kind of ended up being the odd man out. Yeah, and it, this trade came as a, as a surprise to me only because if they they knew all along they were going to move a prospect, a D-man prospect, and Henry Yoki Haru was the most NHL ready. So it it would have made more sense if they drafted Bowen Byram and then made this move because that would be Yoki Haru's replacement. But, I mean, in the end, the Hawks, we all complain about the Hawks farm system with prospects, and or forward prospects, I should confirm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we get a potential elite forward prospect with Alex Nylander if he could get going I think it could be a fair trade it's just a matter of when it happens because he it this should be the year he should break the NHL and start his NHL career but we don't know how far out it is because he's struggling the AHL yeah I think with Yoki Haru there were a few things to consider with him one being is I don't know if you agree Nick but I don't think he was going to make the Blackhawks roster this season oh I I agree yeah I think he would have started in Rockford which isn't not a bad thing in any way he needed the more he needed more seasoning and that's fine but I think they were they looked at that and then also the fact that in these Seattle expansion he has to be protected because he won't be on his entry-level deal at that point they may have factored that into it and then you mentioned it earlier in the show uh, he kind of seemingly fell out of favor with the Blackhawks organization just with Jeremy Colleton and Stan Bowman yeah he did you you could see once Colleton took over I mean 
with Quinville, he was playing top top pairing minutes with Duncan Keith. And Carlton mm-hmm. came, he got demoted. He got demoted the second pairing, third pairing. All of a sudden, he found himself in Rockford, and then he went to the world the World Juniors to hope to get his confidence back. And again, again sent back to Rockford. So Yogoharu had he, he looked promising to start. And then once Carlton came over, I'm not saying it's Carlton's fault, but that it all seemed to go downhill. So uh, and I think it also comes to all our other D prospects. I think they have a higher ceiling than Yogoharu. Yogoharu is a solid D man. Yeah. But Bo, Boquist has a way higher ceiling. Bodan has that offensive superior talent for a D-man. So a higher ceiling there. And then Ian Mitchell's slowly rising up the uh, dra- uh, D system or D prospect system. So uh, Yokoharu, yeah, he was just he fell out of favor here. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, obviously, Yokoharu showed that he can play a top four role. I mean, you guys even said it, you know, he was playing with Keith. How much do you think the Hawks prospect depth in terms of forward do you think impacted this decision to be made because just looking at the trade on the outside I think the Hawks could have gotten a little bit more for Yokoharu I mean the Sabres had a bigger sample size of games to look at to determine what they were getting as opposed to what they had with Nylander so I feel like the Hawks could have gotten more well I think one thing here is that Chicago was definitely dealing from a position of strength in the sense that they have deep uh, depth in their system when it comes to right-handed defensemen with Adam Bokvist and Ian Mitchell, who I think both do have higher ceilings than Henry Yokiharyu. Yokiharyu is a guy that is very reliable and has a good floor, but not necessarily a a high ceiling. So Chicago definitely had a lot of right-hand defensemen in the system, but if you look at their forwards uh, prospects, there's not a whole lot there. It's basically Kirby Doc and then I guess Philip Kurashev and then a bunch of wild cards or just kind of guys that are going to be bottom six players. So the mindset here was definitely to deal, you know, from a position of strength in order to add to their forward prospect group. Yeah, exactly what Kevin said. They they needed to they needed to enhance that forward prospect group. And another thing to note is Stan again going after size. I mean, Nylander's a six foot. I think he's like six, exactly six foot. He's two hundred pounds. So the Blackhawks are getting bigger. I mean, Yokohara was a smaller defenseman. So I mean, and then Kirby with the Kirby Doctrine or draft, and then Alex Vlasic. The Hawks are looking to get big because that's what the NHL's transitioning to: fast and big players. So Alex Nylander is just that. He's a quick skater. He has a hell of a shot. So it's an ex- he's an exciting prospect if he puts all his tools together yeah and uh, yeah go ahead david i think yeah if he pans out from what i'm reading about him um he only played 12 nhl games for the sabers two goals two assists but he looked really good when he was playing for um rochester so i think yeah like you're saying you guys definitely need more forward depth because you have more depth at d um prospect wise um i just hope he can pan out for you guys when he showed some brief glimpses of it when he played for the sabers in the nhl this past season yeah i mean the potential is there and again you can't write off a guy who's only 21 um Mm -hmm. if you you know you see it all the time with some guys that just take a bit longer uh one example to me who kind of resemble has a bit of resemblance to alex nylander is patrick sharp he took like i think five years after being drafted before he was a mainstay in the nhl uh same thing happened with guys like brad marchand like sometimes these things just take time not everyone is going to come in be a 20 year old phenom yeah there's late bloomers in the nhl all the time so it it's just the matter of how patient an organization is, and clearly the Sabres weren't because in the end he was a top 10 pick, so they're expecting him to be that stud. But sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Look at Dylan Strome. He mm-hmm. in Arizona. He he didn't ha- he didn't put everything together. He comes to Chicago, and now he's a top six play- a top six forward. So yeah. 
Uh, I, this Alex Nylander trade, it's, it, it may not pay out right away, but with that potential, I think it, it, he could, it could be a high reward with that trade. Let's go ahead and look at this trade from a Buffalo's perspective for a moment. I think potentially this move might have happened on their end because they want more high-end defensive prospects. I mean, they have Skinner and Eichel both sort of as a forward guys going forward, and they have Darlene, who they now have playing for them, but I mean, you you can't have an entire defensive core around one player. I feel like most successful NHL teams have a one-two punch at defense, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if Yokohara is going to be that one-two guy for Darlene, but if nothing else, I think it's a depth pickup for them for the future. I mean, we, they still didn't make playoffs this year, but when you look at teams who are continuously cup contenders, uh, Nashville is a great example of this. They built from the defense, and then they had a couple forwards who were able to just finish off with the defense generates do you think maybe this is why the sabers made this move yeah i think the sabers have they've they've loaded up on that defense too i mean they have brandon montour they got they acquired colin miller this offseason now henry yokohara so they acquired they acquired three pretty good defense in the, the last two seasons not to mention they had Rasmus Dahlin and Rasmus Ristolainen. So the Sabres defense is actually really solid, and Yokohara is only going to improve that. He's he's 19 years old, so he's got a bright future at him. He's going to be a top four D-man for a very long time. He's stable, he's sound, and he really has. There's a little little things he needs to work on, but he's an NHL-ready D-man, and the Sabres got him for a prospect they were ready to give up on. So this begs the question then, there have <laughs> been rumors of Rasmus Ristolainen being traded, and this was before the acquisition of Yoki Haru. Does this now, you know, kind of confirm things? Because they have an abundance of right-handed defensemen in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ristolainen's chances have increased heavily to get traded. That cap hit's not... I mean, he, he has a, his cap hit's not that bad, but they, the Sabres need forwards and a trade like with Ristolainen, they could acquire quite a bit for him. So I think Ristolainen, he might be out by this offseason, by the end of this offseason. Interesting. Anybody have any uh, closing remarks they'd like to make about this before we move on? Yeah, when the Hawks make a first round pick in any years, don't expect him to last year long. <laughs> I just think um, Buffalo's really building their defense. So I think they're building their team from the back end up. They could be quite a force on defense in a couple years. All right, well, we'll go ahead and uh, move on. We were just actually talking about him, but uh, Kirby Doc ends up signing his entry-level deal with the Hawks. So based on what that's showing us is basically he's going to get a legitimate chance either to make Chicago or at least to play for Rockford. Um, We see kids... you know, constantly getting these chances younger and younger. I mean, it seems like now almost every first round pick that goes in the top three or four almost immediately signs that entry level deal just because teams are willing to take the chances on them. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing for Chicago is they're going to have him still be exempt from having to be protected from the Seattle draft. So that's pretty important for them. They're going to have a high end forward prospect they're not going to have to protect. Kevin and Nick, you guys pretty okay with him signing his entry level deal? Did Based on what you've seen, what you think he's going to at least be making Rockford? Yeah, he'll. I, he, NHL is not a guarantee for him right now. That the roster is still filled. Like the Hawks need to sign Perlini. I don't know if that's happening yet. But they they need to. I mean, for Kirby Doc to make the NHL roster to be the third line center, they need to make some more moves because they have a Nizamov filling a role, and they have Andrew Shaw, Ryan Carpenter. So there's no spot open for him on the NHL roster yet. And if they think he's going to make the team, then I think we will see those moves made. But I do. In the end, I think he will end up. In Rockford if we don't see any other trades to clear a roster spot for Kirby Doc. So just to clarify, Kirby Doc cannot play in the AHL because oh, yeah, yeah. he's playing in the CHL, he's in the WHL uh, with yeah, the Saskatoon sorry. Blades. 
So if he were to get sent down, he would be back to WHL. So it's basically NHL or WHL for Kirby Doc. Yeah, I forgot about that age. I'm so, so sorry. I forgot about that little exemption that they have. Yeah, so I, I do think Kirby Doc likely makes opening night roster. It's just going to be a question of, of uh, whether he sticks after that nine-game trial or if he gets sent back down. But the good thing about this is if he gets sent back down, that entry-level deal uh, slides one year, and he doesn't actually burn any year on the contract. So there's no risk with him signing this entry-level deal right now. Unless he plays, what, 10 games? Unless he plays the 10 games, yes, yeah. and then it'll it'll strike a year off. So, yeah, it, it the Hawks, it's a, but I think he, he has a, he, there's a good chance he makes that opening night roster, but the Hawks need to make room because now they acquired another forward with Nylander. So not, the Hawks have way too many fours right now. So they have they to do. make, they have mm-hmm. to make a trade, whether it's Artem Anizanov, Brandon Saad, or whoever else you may want to include in that. They, there's just, they're loaded on four, maybe not loaded, but they have a surplus they, of forwards on the yeah. roster. And a move will be made sometime this summer. I don't know when it'll happen, but it seems like it'll be either Anisma, Perlini, or maybe both. I don't know, but Perlini hasn't been signed yet, so he's a guy they might look to just trade his RFA rights away. And, and then Stan- Anisimov has the big contract that isn't that attractive. Maybe they look to move that. And Stan hasn't been too committal on that Brandon, per- Brandon Perlini contract. At the beginning of the offseason, he said Perlini will be back, and now he's really not co- uh, committing to that idea. They said they want to get a deal done, but... Yeah, Stan it- Bowman has re-signed all the other RFAs in the system except for Perlini. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if it's Perlini asking for too much or I, it's just it's confusing what's going on but they have to make moves whether it's Saad and Nizma Perlini or whoever else they, there needs to be spots cleared okay well really that's the base of uh signing um we'll go ahead and move on um unfortunately nothing really happened with the wings this week so there's not really anything to talk about I mean Steve Eiserman didn't make any sort of trades or moves and hasn't signed any players so there's the nothing really to talk about, about. Oh, sorry the only thing oh, no, we really just... talked about today was that we announced our training camp details. That's pretty much it. So in terms of player acquisition or player movement, nothing really to talk about on that front. So we'll go ahead and just talk about just a couple of the uh, signings that have happened around the NHL that are of note. I believe, what is it? Marcus Johansson ends up signing with, I, let's see. Yep, the Sabres for uh, two years at a 4.5 million cap hit. So, I mean... They're starting to load up on forwards a little bit. Yeah, I love that signing. I seen the I seen the signing and the Sabres they weren't too far out from being a playoff team last year. Marcus Johansson, he had a great playoff playoffs with the Bruins. So I really I like that signing by Buffalo. They got a guy with playoff experience, a deep playoff run this year. He's a pretty talented top nine forward. So Buffalo's especially with his Yokoharu trade, Buffalo's building a pretty good team back there with Colin Miller, acquiring Colin Miller, Yokoharu, and Marcus Johansson this offseason now. Yeah, it's a short term and a good cap hit, so I think it's a pretty good sign. And then the other moves, which I don't think that we talked about last week, um, Alex Kerfoot ends up signing with the Maple Leafs to a four-year, $3.5 million average deal. And then they also end up signing Cody Ceci for a $4.5 million deal. So sort of solidifying parts of their roster, and they're signing them up for, well, Kerfoot's up for four years, and then uh, Ceci's just a one-year deal. So those spots in the roster are locked. Um, they ended up moving sites, so still no move or no mentions on the Marner moves or 
signings. Yeah, they um, still have to create cap space for that to happen. That's where you could see uh, William Nylander potentially going. Yeah, could happen. I mean, I think if you want to sign, if Marner, if you're giving Marner what he wants, then I think Nylander has to go. This is uh, something I kind of want to ask you guys. And I mean, David, you in, like you in particular, I mean, as Wings fans, we've seen this. Do you think that Toronto should sign Marner to what he wants, given the fact that they haven't really had any playoff success. I mean, the Wings are a perfect example of signing players to contracts in hopes of making playoff runs, and then it just absolutely blowing up in their faces. Do you think this signing could be something like that? Uh, I mean, I don't think it'll be Stephen Weiss levels, because that was really bad. Um, I don't think he's a bad player, and it doesn't sound like he's asking for much, but I could see it blowing up. I think Babcock, right? We're talking about Toronto, right? We're talking about Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Right. Babcock has a lot of pull. Um, and I think, and he's still probably one of the smartest coaches in the league. I feel like if he's on board with it, it's probably not that bad of an idea, but he was also probably on board with Steven Weiss and some of the other players, the Red Wings shouldn't have signed. Kevin or uh, Nick, do you guys have an opinion on whether this would actually be a good move for them or not. I mean, days are getting closer and closer, and the kid's still not signed. Toronto, I think, has to make a move soon. Yeah, I just think you can't let a guy of Marner's caliber go. Like, he really is one of the top wingers in the league. It just, to me, would be a bad move to... I mean, I know you'd get that compensation for the four picks. That's only if, you know, someone offer sheets him. But I just don't know how you let a guy like Marner walk. I mean, we've seen the Maple Leafs be patient with an RFA situation before with Nylander this past season, wait until literally, what was it, two days before December 1st? Uh, I, But I think more teams are interested in Marner than more te- than they were with Nylander. So I think a move has to be made soon if they want, if, if there's any hope of bringing back Mitch Marner. Because Mitch Marner's not going to last till December 1st. There's going to be a team that is going to be, they're just going to pull the trigger and offer sheet him. Yeah. Of course, like we saw that with Sebastian Ajo when the Canadians did it, and I think Mitch Marner's a bigger draw than Ajo. Without a doubt. Yeah, bigger cap hit, but definitely the better player. I mean, since we're kind of talking about RFAs, there's still a lot of names out there who haven't signed. Uh, Miko Randon still hasn't signed, Braden Point, Matthew Kachuk, Kyle Connor, Brock Besser, Patrick Laine, Wierenski, Charlie McAvoy, Ivan Prover. I mean, <laughs> if I'm the Montreal Canadiens right now. I'm offering I'm offer shooting literally. If, if, All of if, them. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't care if they match it. They show they'll offer sheet Aho, so just go offer sheet these guys. I mean, what's there's like 10 people I just listed, so go offer sheet one of them. You'll probably end up at, maybe you'll end up at one. I, I have to wonder if like those guys are waiting for potential offer sheets. <laughs> it, it seems like, I mean, those are star names that I just listed, so I, they're, I, We've seen one offer sheet. Just give us some more. I mean, it was it was. I mean, I know the Carolina Hurricanes intended to match it right away, but oh, of course, make this offseason interesting because we're getting to the boring parts now. Come <laughs> yeah, on, give us stuff something. to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, give us something. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be fantastic if Montreal every week offer sheeted a new player and forced oh, their team to it. sign? That, like, oh, make, it a new, make it a new segment. Uh, who is Montreal offering Uh-oh. this week? Yeah, Bergeron's weekly <laughs> offer sheet. <laughs> Like, I'm just not guys. hearing anything. Uh, just okay. become like the guy in the NHL who's known for forcing teams to sign their players. Yeah, I mean, do something, version because I'm getting bored. 
It'll make Montreal relevant for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. No, the no, weird sure. thing is, though, like, they have so much cap space, they can pick up one of these guys. Like, that's the crazy part. Like, if they offer sheet enough players, eventually someone's signing with Montreal. That's why they traded Shaw, too, is to get even more cap space. So use it. I mean, offer sheet someone. There's one team that's bound to be like, okay, fine, take them. Yeah, someone's going to just be like, all right, it's not even worth it at this point. Because then that puts them in a struggle to clear cap. So Montreal, you had the cap, use it offer sheet people if you don't get them then go after another name that i just listed because there's a lot of them hey the uh, the pool for high-end talent is definitely there montreal make an offer sheet on somebody because the crazy thing is toronto last week signed um two of their restricted free agents except for mitch marner they signed andreas johnson and kasperi kapanen so you would think marner is either going to get re-signed or someone's yeah going to definitely make an offer sheet. Yeah, it's, something's coming. I mean, there. I, I say within the next week we're gonna have we're gonna have some kind of Mitch Marner news. Could you like now that the offer sheet trend has been broken? I'm curious how many GMs are looking at the current pool of guys who are eligible for offer sheets and looking at the team that they're associated with cap space and saying, well, either we can offer sheet this guy right now and his team is forced to sign him to this deal, which then ties them up for cap space or we're going to get this guy for cheaper than he's actually worth because this team's just not cap flexible enough at the moment mm-hmm. like, that's got to be something that's starting to be a discussion among gms yeah i mean you have to look at teams like uh tampa bay or toronto where they just don't have a lot of cap space so you can really force their hand with an offer sheet i think that's one of the things uh, that was actually surrounding aho when he got offer sheeted a lot of people were curious you know carolina's been a budget, a quote unquote budget team in the NHL for a while. I mean, they've never really spent towards the cap. And the question was, you know, if, if Ajo gets offer sheeted high enough, just monetarily, can the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes afford to match that offer sheet? I think that's definitely got to be something that is taken into consideration by GMs now that the trend's been broke. Yeah. I, obviously, I the Canadian so. markets have their money but i mean the cap is the same for every team regardless of what market you're in i mean if somebody tells marner straight up hey we'll give you 10 million if toronto doesn't have 10 million in cap space he's gone yeah uh toronto yeah it it just puts gms in a pinch where like they have to make a move and if they they have a deadline of was it six days to match it so yeah i think it all right now teams with a lot of cap space have the advantage with like Braden Point and Mitch Marner specifically because then the Lightning and the Maple Leafs will have to clear cap as fast as they can and they, you can see a real fire sale coming out of those two teams. Oh yeah. I mean, what is the, what do the Montreal Canadiens have to lose at this point? I mean, really the only RFA they have to worry about in the near future is Coke to Niami. So, I mean, that's really, I, I really don't know why they don't just continue to do so. <laughs> so say Montreal, they've got the cap space to do it. Um, weirdly enough, Detroit's going to have the cap space next season to do it, and they're going to have a lot of cap space. Well, next season, we also have to talk about re-signing Month, Double uh, A, and uh, Little Bert and see how they do. I think for th- at least this season, I think this season is going to be the prove-it season for uh, Athanasiu. We saw the contract problems a couple of years ago with him signing, and I think this season is going to be sort of the like you know prove that you're worth the money that you're asking for. Because I think if he gets another 30 goal season, he gets he gets his payday. But if he oh, if he doesn't have another season like that, I am not sure where he's going to get paid. Um, Bertuzzi, I think, has definitely earned his pay. I'd be fine with a three or four million dollar deal on him. I think that's perfectly reasonable for what he does. Yep. Um, Basically, he's just an abdicator, but what we hoped he would be. (laughs) 
<laughs> much better. But if nobody else has anything else to add on this, we'll go ahead and uh, move on to something else. Um, anybody have anything else to add at this point? Um, just with like, our talk with those three guys, Manta, I, th- I, I can say Manta's going to have a 30-goal season this year. That's my prediction. They, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him. I mean, he looked pretty good last year. And I mean, having a setup guy who can, Once he can actually find good passes for him, I think enables that to happen. Oh, yeah. I can I can see him having a breakout year because he looked really good coming back from his injury last year. Okay, well, since it's the, uh, the off season and there's not really much else to talk about, we'll go ahead and uh, do something a little unique this episode. Um, we've been talking a little bit about UFAs, RFAs, and players essentially re-signing with their teams what i'd like to do now is i'd like to look at or have each of us look at the team that we're quote-unquote associated with so for example me and david will be with the red wings and then kevin and nick you guys will be with the blackhawks so we'll be looking at a prospect in our team system and making a case for them to make the nhl roster this season go ahead and start off the player that i think is likely to make the red wings roster this season is philip zadina um there's a lot of talk last year when he got drafted about him not making the roster and is weird as it was people were already calling him a bust which i'm not sure how you can declare a kid a bust after one year but i mean he had the chance in grand rapids to finally play against fully grown adults and while admittedly the start of his season was not good by any stretch towards the end he seemed like he was really starting to put his play together his zone entries were getting a lot better he was able to find shots that even if they weren't great chances they were still good chances and they were shots that most goaltenders i don't think would expect i'm trying to remember who the game was against but he had a particularly great goal where he was setting up for the shot he got tripped he went on one knee and then he still found a way to get it behind the uh, goaltender's uh, shoulder is on like a follow-through i think during his call-up he didn't even look bad either i thought he played perfectly seasonable for a rookie I mean, you're not expecting him to go out there and play against high-caliber players. You're putting him in a learning role. And while I think defensively he still has some things to work on in his game, I think just the offensive upside for him and getting the chance to develop into a player, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but develop into a player potentially as good as Nikita Kucherov. I think a player who has that level of talent needs to be at the NHL getting a chance to grow. Uh, Anybody have anything to... Rebut uh, for that. I can definitely agree with that. Um, watching him early on when he was with the Griffins, he did struggle a bit trying to get acclimated to playing with men instead of the kids that he was playing with. But he showed flashes that he knew what he was doing and what we saw from his highlights. And like you were saying, I can agree like what his um, ceiling could be. Um, he's just a player that can really find the back of the net in ways that not many people will expect. And yeah, that goal that he made on the knee was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think by the end of his AHL season, uh, Zadina really started to get rolling. So if he keeps that momentum going forward, I don't see why he wouldn't be in the NHL next season. Yeah, I think he's basically a lock to make the NHL next season, or on the opening roster at least, because, I mean, we see, like, like we, I know it, Everybody said it, but he got rolled at the end of the year, and clearly they had the confidence to bring him up at the for what do you play eight games, right? Yep, he got nine games, I think. Nine I think it was nine. Okay, so nine games. They had the confidence to bring him up and see him develop and play against NHL level talent. So I think Zadina, and he's your most electric, electrifying prospect, I, I believe. So I think he'll be a lock to make the NHL roster next year, and 
and you could see him develop into this star player that he's supposed to be. Right, well, uh, David, you uh, you actually had a different player that you wanted to talk about. I, uh, a, a certain centerman who should not have dropped as far as he did. Oh, Go he ahead dropped. and walk us through your choice. So he dropped very far, and I was shocked that he dropped in last year's draft. But I want to talk about Joe uh, Valeno, or as they call him right, Joe Effin Valeno, because he's amazing as a center. And I talked to you yesterday, and I made a very hot take, controversial thing that I think he could eventually develop to be a better centerman than uh, Dylan Larkin. And I love Dylan Larkin. Um, but looking That's at hot him, take. <laughs> it's a very hot take. <laughs> but. Uh, looking at his stats and highlights from uh, the Drummondville, uh, I can never say their name, Voltigiers. Um, he had last season 48 points with them and then 31 points with his team before them. And then uh, this past season, he had 104 points in the regular season. So he really is just turning on his game. And I could see him definitely making um, the Red Wings roster and not just for like opening night. I could see him sticking around as a second or third line center, especially. not sure if you got a chance to watch him at uh, the camp that they had last week, but he was able to keep up with guys like Hiroshi who have made the NHL roster and he didn't look out of place. I, I definitely think that there's a case for him for the NHL. Now, if he was going to make the opening night roster, David, do you think they slot him in as the 3C or the 4C? Um, it just depends on who they pair him with because I could see him with Anis, uh, Anisinyasu, um as his winger. I don't like him. I don't like double A as a center. I think he's better on the wings. So I think he could definitely fit into the two or three. I think four would be more for like Luke Glendening, because I think that's where I, I have Luke Glendening as a three or a four C. The Glendening, in my opinion, is the four C unless they have Darren Helm playing it for some reason. Because I mean, Helm's a he's a centerman, or he can play center, I should say, as a four C, perfectly serviceable. Yeah, I don't Helm, think you ever really want to put a prospect, kind of a top prospect, in a fourth line role. It's just not setting them up to succeed. No. They don't get many minutes in a fourth-line role as well. I think he will thrive as a two or three. I mean, we kind of saw that uh, when they called up Evgeny Svechnikov. I mean, they sort of put him on a line trying to play him as a grinder, and it didn't really work out for him. I mean, Svechnikov, is, he's really a scoring winger. And yep. that it, we saw when he was up, you know, he didn't really do anything when he was being put in that grinder role that he's not really – that's not really his play style. No, definitely. I think he – if he's healthy – because I know he was out the entire season, basically, last year. I want to see him really get a shot at a higher, uh, as a top six forward, and just see what he can do. Okay, well, uh, Nick or Kevin, we'll let you guys uh, each pick a Hawks prospect that you'd like to talk about. So, uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right, are we going to count Alex Nylander as a prospect at this point, or no? <laughs> Um, that's an interesting question. How about we'll say, since he hasn't played more than one year in the NHL, we'll say yes. Yes, he is a prospect. Okay. So then in in that case, I'll vouch for Alex Nylander. I was originally going to go with Dominic Kubalik, but I just think Kubalik is not really a fair pick because he's basically, he, he's guaranteed to be on the roster, Dominic Kubalik. He's not, he is a prospect, but he's also 24 years old and has been playing European pro league hockey for years now. So, I mean, he's a lock. Alex Nylander, I think, is a more interesting one to kind of vouch for because obviously he hasn't had that permanent spot in the league yet. He's been mostly playing in the AHL with a few small NHL stints here and there. But to me, I think Chicago is going to give him every opportunity they can uh, 
uh, for him to really thrive. And I think not only will he make it on the roster opening night, but I think they'll put him in a top six role with, you know, really quality line mates like, you know, Taves or Kane or whoever they feel they want to pair him with. But I think the, they really want to give him that chance that new kind of fresh start in a new system to really uh, go out and prove himself. So yeah, Alex Nylander is my, is my pick. Yeah, I think I agree, Kevin. I think Nylander, if he's going to make the roster, he needs to be playing with skilled forwards, not throwing him on the fourth or third line. I know we talked about that, that with Valeno. So yeah, Nylander, it, it just, it, Gives him more confidence if he's playing with a Taves, a Kane, a Stroman, Debrinkin. Definitely, I, so, I was looking at his most his most frequent line mates when he was on the Sabers roster, and it was uh, Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez. Yeah, so, so uh, there's two guys you wouldn't want Alex Nylander playing with because you want him to play with skilled for like star fours to bring out that star in Alex Nylander. So I mean, they need he needs to he needs to play with players that are going to help him and he can improve those players as well and Connor Sheer is just not that like he, he's a fine forward but he's not a guy that Alex Nealand should be playing with he should be playing with the other stars so he could improve his own game with the players that's on the ice with him as mentioned playing him with uh star players I mean it's no secret that Kane and Taves are starting to get older I mean they've still got a couple of good years and uh, are left in them do you think management might look at them as the potential quote-unquote replacements for those guys down the line maybe try to put them in scenarios to play with those guys to learn specifically what it's like to be in that high offensive or even just the games right on you type scenarios i think that's exactly it kneelander's not like what buffalo tried to do is they he want they want a kneelander to carry a line that's not what kneelander's ready for yet so he's going to be playing with guys that I mean, we'll say carry him, but he's going to be learning from playing with those kind of like Kane or Taze or something like that. So he, I think playing with those guys, it will develop his game more and show what he needs to do to be to be able to carry a line. I'm convinced Kane is going to play till he's 40, so I don't think he's going uh, anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. But I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, these young guys, you definitely want them learning from guys like Kane and Taves because they're established elite players in the league. And, you know, maybe Taves is a bit past his prime, but still a really great player and definitely a guy that you can learn a lot from. So if you've got, you know, your other centerman for Chicago, like Dylan Strom and now Kirby Dock, you want them learning from Jonathan Taves. And then for your wingers, like to bring it now, Alex Nylander, you want them learning from Patrick Kane. So those are guys you, you want to put these young guys on a line with and making sure uh, they, they absorb the kind of uh, information and, and uh, you know, just really learn everything they can from those guys. Yeah. I should, I mean, should I go in my prospect then? Uh, let's go, uh, go ahead and go ahead and, who do you think has a good case to make the Hawks roster this coming season? Well, he wasn't my guy at first. Uh, he, he wasn't my guy at draft night, but he, yeah, I'm all in on him now. Kirby Doc. So uh, I, I want Kirby Doc on this roster. I know we talked about, a lot about him in these last two weeks, but I mean, we have Artem Anisimov as our third line center right now. Like, what? They're, just get him out of here. <laughs> Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc's more. I think he's a more NHL-ready talent than just Barry Coke Niami was with the Montreal Canadiens last year, and he was drafted third overall too. So if you put Kirby Doc in a third-line role, it's kind of like the Valena situation. At least play him on the third line. Obviously, you don't want to play him on the fourth line. Give Kirby Doc a lineman like Brandon Saad and. I don't know who else you want to throw in there. Maybe Dylan Sakura, some skilled forwards. Mm-hmm. And I think you could see him thrive. I mean, Kirby Doc, he, he has that offensive upside already. We've seen him in the highlight tapes 
So I think Kirby Dak, if they clear the roster spot, I know we talked about this earlier, those roster spots for a player like Kirby Dak to join, he will be on the opening night roster. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see 50 points out of him this year. Dang. And St- Stan, Bowman, Stan Bowman has said that he wants to give every opportunity for, for Kirby Dock to make the team. So I think that does kind of signal that Stan Bowman is willing to open up a, a spot for him by trading someone like Amisimov. Yeah, and I mean, if you put put Dock with Saad, those are two, like Saad's, a, he's going to get in the dirty areas and Dock is a big body in front of the net. So Saad just... Gets in a, a dirty area, shoots, and Doc's there to re- clean up rebounds. It's he could succeed at, even as a third line center. I mean, obviously Taze is locked up on the first line, Strom's locked up on the second line, so it really only leaves open the third line center spot. Right, and yeah, I I do think Doc is slightly better than Nolan Patrick is or, or was if you're comparing draft years. So I think coming into the league, he can have well, he can definitely you know, play at the NHL level. I think that'll do it for that segment. Um, does anybody have anything else that they want to talk about in regards to the league at all? Uh, yeah, Ryan Dezingle. I don't Where the hell is he going? <laughs> yeah, where is Ryan Dezingle going? <laughs> it's, it, I don't know what's going on with him. He, he had a st- uh, his best season of his career last year, so I know he kind of struggled in Columbus, but a player this good should not be lasting this long in free agency. I mean, I know Jake Gardner still out there in Furland just signed today, but Dezingle was one of my favorite free agents coming into this offseason. He's still out there going into week two free agency. Where oh, until you just mentioned it, sorry, until you just mentioned it, I, I totally forgot that Jake Gardner still hasn't signed. Like, this is the longest we've gone. Like, they, those were two top 10 UFAs coming in this offseason. They're still, they're still just, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. They're just living their life, I guess. Where do you guys think the Zingle ends up, though? Oh, man. Ooh. Well, Columbus oh. just signed our old guy, Gustav Nyquist, so I don't think they need Dezingle now. No, I'd actually like, or I think the Florida Panthers are dead set on trying to force a window right now, which it seems like they are with their free agency moves. I think they should just go for it and just pick up every piece that they can. Um, They picked up Sergei Bobrovsky and they picked up Strawman, so. Yeah, I mean. It just seems like I know it's just like throwing darts at a wall now and making predictions, but there's there, there's a lot of teams that need a Ryan like a Ryan, a Ryan Dezingle type player. I could see the Islanders picking him up. I mean, they made a pretty good run last season, and they just lost um, Valtteri Filppula, who was a third line center for them. But I think Dezingle could be a better improvement to Filppula. If Montreal is done throwing around offer sheets, they might look at <laughs> <laughs> they might look at Ryan Dezingle as someone. <laughs> who they can if. for sure get no they'll be like it's too easy keep throwing uh, out offer yeah, sheets yeah, right. hope, they need I the hope, challenge i hope they're not done throwing offer sheets come on i mean we're getting we're getting some dead news now so we're, uh, i i want him and i mean i know it's very unlikely now because they don't even they haven't even reached out to him but i wanted the hawks after him obviously he was my creative coming to this so i think uh i, I can see him going to the sharks though somewhere like san jose playoff ready team i you know Maybe one of you guys could answer because I actually don't know the answer to this question. Is a team able to have multiple offer sheets out at a time? No. Okay. No, just one. It'd be crazy if you could, though, have like mo- just <laughs> just send them all out in mass. Giant fax machine. But imagine if that happened. Then you got then then you could get really get screwed with the uh, you could really screw that, that team would be screwed if they sent multiple offer sheets out there. They'd have like an infinite amount of cap space sent out and draft picks 
10 years from now gone. Oh God. <laughs> that, that would be a fascinating scenario. Like just, this is what I would like for the league to do. If they're going to do something like that, where you could have multiple offer sheets out, you send out all your offer sheets for the year. And for the next three years, you don't have a ca- like a uh, salary cap, but afterwards you are completely screwed on your picks because of all those offer sheets. <sighs> I think, I don't know, I think they can't be picked in future drafts. Like, I think it has to be, like, in the next following draft. Like, I don't think you can just trade a first-round pick in, like, the 2022 draft for an offer sheet. That'd be fantastic if you could, though, (laughs) just to see some team do it. Oh, God. You never know. You might be a terrible team in 2022, and then it becomes first overall. Say, Ottawa... (laughs) Ottawa is a great example of something like that happening. Ottawa is a great example of a garbage truck on fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> I guess Columbus is getting there too. I mean, they just lost their whole team this free agency. So Ottawa and Columbus, I think they you could see them you can see them battling for worst NHL team in the league. I mean Columbus, they they kinda went for it this off season for them. It was either cup or bust and it busted. Yeah. I mean yeah. I do I did like what they did though. I mean more NHL teams should be trying to win and it was cool to see what the Blue Jackets did at the trade deadline just to go all out and try to win a cup because you know this team's just gonna collapse and three months like it just did so uh i respect a move like that but when you're an organization like columbus who i don't think had ever won a playoff series before it was just a weird move yeah it was weird but i mean i respect to at least trying to win rather than they could have just sold all their ass or their assets their one-year assets i guess we'll call them for mm-hmm. uh rentals Jeez, i can't even think of the words right now <laughs> uh, they could have just sold them all and picked up prospects and picks but no they went for a win and they fell short. And now they're uh, at the bottom again. Yeah, now they're irrelevant. So anyways. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that covers all the topics that we had lined up for tonight. Um, Wait, so you, forgot, you forgot two two signings. I forget. Uh, we welcomed David Barnhouse to the Stickplate Podcast. That was a, <laughs> it was a steal. He was sneaking under the radar of prospects. Found me in an alley drinking some bourbon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, now that we mentioned bourbon, didn't you guys match an offer sheet for uh, you know, someone special? I did match the offer sheet. The pack of raisins will be sent out first. I want to confirm those are delivered before I send the bottle of crown. <laughs> you can keep the raisins. I mean, I'll do I'll feed them right down or something. But uh, yeah, um, glad to be back. That was uh, It was a nerve-wracking time. I thought I was leaving the Stick Blade podcast. Not really, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, the, the, you guys cracked me up last week, so that was a. Uh, at, at least you guys succeeded with them. And that it, that shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bergervain's podcast is ruthless. Offer so you, us like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mark Bergervain, what is he doing? He's even offer shooting me right now, man. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Does he live in was, Montreal? I, 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 no, I, I mean, I'm glad. I'd rather be. I'd rather be here than playing for the Canadians. So. Oh God. <laughs> <clears throat> but yes, I, I'm sorry. I meant to uh, I meant to introduce you formally, David, but I forgot to. So that is my fault. <laughs> no problem at all. I'm really I mean, happy to. I be. gave you the little plug at the beginning of the episode. But yeah, kind of like he's been cool. like he's been around for weeks. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, go ahead. yeah, David. <laughs> I just I'm the guy. He's been like, here the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you just I, we swear. <laughs> I'm the guy that got fired from the company, but they never told him. So I'm just sitting there in the office, just waiting. Yeah, he, he was here the whole time. You just had to turn up your volume really loud to hear it. Yeah, he was just shy the last few episodes. <laughs> I believe you have my stapler. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I'm really happy to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to more of these 
talks and hopefully no more offer sheets come in we want more offer sheets just not for podcasters like if the league like gms start becoming ruthless with these offer sheets i'm all game oh of course well i'm i'm sorry i'm off the books for another seven years so no worries about me those raisins are gonna last you seven years (laughs) no the raisins are the raisins are going straight to my dog's bowl the bourbon the bourbon or the whiskey will be last we'll be lucky if it lasts me a week Uh, all right everybody well i I think we can actually wrap the episode we're going off the rails here it's it's going off the rails a little bit but it's the off season so there's not really a ton to talk about right now Um, when the regular season picks up though there's going to be a lot more to talk about we're going to be trying to do game recaps game previews and i believe me and unic were actually talking about having a uh an actual meetup since we're actually not too far from each other yeah yeah we're uh you know, when uh, virtual reality comes to at real life. So, uh, yeah, me and uh, Jordan, we'll, maybe we'll even do some stu- some stupid content on our uh, Twitter. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of a lot to look forward to with this podcast. We're still young. We're still uh, trying to find ways to make this show interesting, and we're going to do that. Well, I made sure to give it a follow so we have another follower. Oh, right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the episode. So with that being said, as always, thank you guys for tuning in to the stick blade podcast. We appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Um, if you haven't already, feel free to give us a follow on soundcloud. You can find us on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash the stick blade podcast. You can find us on Twitter at stick blade pod. And then if you want to send us a email, you can email us at stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. Still waiting on fan questions or topics to talk about. I mean, I'd love to start getting some listener interaction with the show going. So if you're listening and you have either a topic you want us to cover or a question you want us to answer, don't be afraid to send us either an email or a tweet. I mean, I try to check those at least before the episodes start recording. So if you send something, we'll try to answer it on the show. That's going to wrap it up for tonight's show. So thank you for listening. Have a good evening, a good day, good morning, whatever time it is in your part of the world.